I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about the Handmaid's Tale. We're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. <laughs> this is red all over your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. I guess <laughs> they maybe are impeaching Trump. I'm worried at how that will age. <laughs> I am like, gosh, who can tell? I mean, look, I... It, you know, we should take a picture of ourselves with a newspaper and be like, it's September 29th. That was the last picture they saw of them before they, too, were carried away to a stadium and ritualistically I murdered. Mean, honestly, <laughs> ooh, I've been watching The Terror. It's so scary. I never hear of this. Oh, it's so scary. It's about a boat. It's about two boats. <laughs> On the two boats. It's about two boats that get stuck in the ice. It's so scary. Oh, no. It's very scary. <laughs> well, uh, we're covering... <laughs> I've been watching Good Place, which is not scary at all. It's delightful. Yeah, I hate that show because it's so optimistic. Wow. <laughs> How do we work together? Uh, conflict is the soul of podcasting. That's right. Um, <laughs> so uh, before we get going today, we're going to do our second chunk of Venmo shoutouts. You can follow us on... Oops, on Venmo, I guess. Sure. You can, I mean, you can, you can befriend us. Sure. It's um, not necessary. No, no, no. Uh, but we're Venmo.com slash Red All Over. And that's just, it's nice when people donate because we get to do fun things. Like, um, uh, I think, did you expense your Testaments book? We could have. Oh, yeah. We didn't. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, I'm like, no, I didn't. Uh, no, you know, uh, there's a lot of work in this podcast. Yeah. And if you give us money, uh, that helps. Yeah. Because does. you're exchanging Money for goods and services. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> Anyhow, so thank you so much to everybody who supported. You're like really, really nice. Shout out this week to Christine Espinola. I believe you've given before, Christine, and I appreciate you so much. Corey Norman. Ah, oh, Corey. I like that name, Corey Norman. What a cool, fun name. You're such a nice person. Alyssa Marie. Ah, oh, man, Alyssa, you were looking radiant today. Leslie Bosnack. Ooh, more like Bosnack, Leslie. You were looking fantastic. Work it. Jill Griffinhagen. Ah, Jill Griffinhagen. That's such a fun name to say, and I think you're a fun person. Becca Murray. I believe we also. you also are a longtime fan. Even if you're not, we just love having you. Claire Henry, when Claire Henry was a little baby sitting on her pappy's knee. That's a song for you. Love you. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca Reed, hope you're enjoying this read of the Testaments, Rebecca, because it's dedicated to you. Catherine Crumb, ooh, child, I want to make you a crumb cake, sit next to you, and talk about our feelings, because it's October, and that's fun to do, and I think you're great, Catherine Crumb. James Sabatino, oh, man, I had a big crush on a person named Joey Sabatino. If that's your brother, can you call him for me? Because I had a crush on him in theater camp in the eighth grade. Probably not. Anyway, James could have a crush on you, too. Not above it. Julia Tier, you know what you are. You're in the tier of people I love. Emma Swinslow, another fun name to say. Your name makes me uh, reminded of swinging on a swing, and I'd love to swing on a swing with you. I'd even do that thing where I twist the, the chains around so you can spin around. That's really fun. Now, this is a weird one, but go off, sis. Uh, shout out to Jessica Danielle and her four-year-old son, Connor. Hi, Connor. I'm not sure what you're getting out of this podcast. Uh, maybe you're the person who liked that time we sang Beauty and the Beast. Uh, in that case, be uh, 
guest to keep donating, Jessica and little baby Connor. Go to bed. Be nice to your mom. And last but not least, Gwen Catchelmeyer. Gwen, you're a delight and you know it. I also need to shout out Redhead and frequent commenter Michelle Morgan, who doesn't have Venmo in her country, so she donated to rescue trafficked women and children in India in our name. So thank you so much, Michelle. Boom! The end. The Good podcast, end. everybody. We're out of here. Bye. <laughs> so this JK, we would not leave you hanging no, in no, no. such a way. No. Um, so t- we're covering the second section of seven chapters in this book. So we're going from page 111 to 223. Let's dive in we start with i always get excited it's like in game of thrones when i get excited when it's like oh shit it's about to be an aria chapter <laughs> i always get excited when i see the ardua hall holograph uh-huh. at the beginning of a page because it means we're getting more aunt lydia goodness and we sure do i enjoy so much that the defining feature of aunt vitala is that she is always sniffing and has like <laughs> terrible allergies and just like it doesn't matter which character is talking about her they're like uh this fucking bitch with her goddamn runny ass nose. Mm-hmm. We hate her. Mm-hmm. Everybody hates her. It's great. And that comes in because Aunt Lydia is kind of just going through all of the different flowers. It's springtime when she's writing this and she's saying, soon my old enemy, Aunt Fidala, will be sneezing. <laughs> God, and it just reminded me, and you know, anytime... I feel frustrated with my lot in life. I'm like, at least I don't have to be on like a very small team of people at my job <laughs> where one of them, I just fucking hate them like so much. Yeah. Um, and also in this case, you know, it's like the stakes are like life and death. Right, right, right. right. You could be taken out at any time. But I have to say all of the original four founders, like they've got pretty good longevity. Yeah. You know, they haven't managed to take each other out up until this point. I mean, two of yeah. them seem pretty feckless. Yeah. Gotta- I'm not entirely sure why Aunt Elizabeth and Aunt Helena, Me like, neither. what are you even doing here? Did you do anything at all? Uh, please. Aunt Elizabeth wasn't the Trojan woman. Okay. She's an actress. <laughs> yeah, but she ruined her feet yeah. by wearing uh, La Boutons. Uh, <laughs> I think of the like lesser aunts, Aunt Elizabeth is my favorite. <laughs> Uh, just because uh, she just seems like a dad I can't remember chick. anything about Aunt Helena. So uh, Aunt Helena might have been the, the shoe distributor. Okay. I don't know. Who, I like Aunt uh, Estee, I think, out of like the non-founders. Yeah. Because she has like a hidden reserve of like compassion yeah. and steeliness. Absolutely. Um, anyway, we'll I like Aunt that. Estee as well. Also worth noting, lilac flower meeting. I love how lilacs smell. Yeah, if beautiful. you ever want to make me super happy, get me a lilac candle. Oh, I love that. You got to love a lilac candle. I wrote down lilac flower meaning and then I lost it. So bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it means buy me a candle. Yeah. <laughs> I also enjoy, you know, we do get a little bit of insight into sort of like, how do the people in Gilead in the Northeast who live very close to Canada how do they engage with Gilead? We hear that one Vermonter said that there's a saying, Mayday is payday. Mm-hmm. So Mayday has deep pockets. Mm-hmm. But I think they kind of have to because if things go wonky, uh, you're dead as a donkey. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. I'm Margaret Atwood now, bitch. That's pretty great. <laughs> Jeez Louise. They also do the world building of Operation Dead End. <laughs> Which is sort of this plan hatched by the three non-Aunt Lydia aunts. Oh, and I'm sorry. Aunt Elizabeth ruined her feet 
Or no. Oh, it was Aunt Helena. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Aunt Helena ruined her feet, but with um, Manolo Blahniks, not Louboutins. They might have been there, too, because she's a PR for this, like, shoe yeah. distributor Conglomerate. or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they come up with this thing called Operation Dead End, which is supposed to be, like, not uh, get trapping fugitive handmaids en route to Canada and called for the declaration of a national emergency plus doubling on tracker dogs and a more efficient efficient system basically it's their strategy to take down the underground female road yeah and I enjoy that basically like Aunt Lydia seems like she's pretty good at her job and mm-hmm. yet she's like I'm actually not that good at my job yeah. like and I don't care yeah um so you know radical apathy wins again <laughs> Uh yeah, so they really um th- yeah exactly what yeah, you and just here expressed. we get that um Aunt Vidal is the one who's really into torture Ugh, like yeah. she like like Aunt Lydia we don't see Aunt Lydia engaging in torture and again I'm like is this a deliberate elision on Aunt mm-hmm. Lydia's part like is she like oh gosh. I did so much bad stuff, but hey, I wasn't so bad. I wrote this uh, thing in Cardinal Newman's book, and I, uh, I, I helped a handmaid, and I, you know, I did some other stuff before the sort of explosion of the car in Canada. One of the Pearl Girl aunts died, mm-hmm. and it looks like suicide. They suspect foul play. <gasps> <gasps> no, who would hurt a pearl? Um, several people. It several out. people. Um, <laughs> so they talk a little bit about that. They talk about this gray market. LOL. Um, yeah, because they used to be able to get pens on the gray market, and I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Some other things I found interesting is that the ants are permitted to drive and they have their own cars. Yes. Yeah. I I kept having to remind myself because in reading this book, because we are getting so much from just Aunt Lydia's perspective, I'm like, I feel like being an aunt is the way to go. This sounds dope. Like you get to read, you get to hang out with your friends, Mm -hmm. you get to do all this. And it's like, oh yeah, you know what she's not mentioning? You have to like murder and torture people. Yeah. All the time. It's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Yeah. Oh, are you saying that's yes. a ding? Because I am yes. into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they know what they did. <laughs> so now we are at the stadium. And again Well, before we do that, they they give a little bit of backstory of like Aunt Lady is born in a trailer park and has to like struggle and is the first person in her family to go to college. Mm-hmm. And then we're into this the stadium. I'm assuming it's the same stadium from the show. Or is it? I don't know. There's a real fucked up relationship between what is happening mm-hmm. and what is not happening. But she's in there. She's there with her colleague, Anita. Anita. And basically, it's none of them was what you would call young. So these are all women who, by and large, have been earmarked to be aunts. Yeah. And oh God, it's so scary. God, and well, and they're they're all just sitting on the bleachers, and they have no sunscreen, so they're getting fried to a crisp in the sun. Peeing themselves. They're peeing themselves. They're, crying, they're being they're given very up. minimal water. Oh, God, they're given so food. Eventually, they're all given a sandwich, um, and then they bring out all of these women onto the field and then there are a couple of other people who come in behind them there's a bunch of them that are guardians but there's also other women who are dressed in like ants 
well, yeah. outfit. Well, Except it's different than what they wear later was right. my impression. Because like, they were like, it's like this sort of like penitence robe. Well, it's because it's before Aunt it, Helena yeah, yeah. The, designed the <laughs> yeah. uniform. They were like, oh, we don't know. Just, um, you got a, like a sleeping bag or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a cassock. Give from them, cassocks are us. Give them to that. Yeah. So there, there was just like this weird thing Ugh. and they shoot all these women and everybody is understandably very upset um and then they finally you know they get herded into the locker rooms and mm. you know there's there's nothing to sleep on it's just like this disgusting filthy environment what it kept putting me in mind of was after hurricane katrina when everybody went into the superdome, the superdome and what that must have been like yeah. and the the pictures and video that we saw of that so um and there's there's a couple other things further on in the book where i'm like uh ripped from the headlines (laughs) pulling a dick wolf (laughs) yeah this was a such a, a scary part um the next sort of section we get is oh look we're back with daisy so daisy just straight up like gets pulled out of school and eight is like so neil and melanie are dead get in loser we're joining mayday yeah basically (laughs) well you're joining mayday i've been in it and you know it's again let's not lose sight of the fact that it's her fucking birthday oh they don't let you (laughs) Uh, it's her birthday and it's like your parents getting killed on your birthday (laughs) It's a free ride, but it's just too mayday. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. So she's like being told all of this really fast. Yeah. Like, and Ada's like, hey, we got to dismantle your cell phone. We got to change your clothes. Uh, no, we can't go back to your house ever. Bye. And Daisy's just like, um, okay. And I love they're go through going through all of this. And Daisy's like, uh, what about the uh, police? And Ada says they'd be useless. And uh, then Daisy wants to know, are you a cop? Nope. Then what are you? Least said, soonest mended. And it's like, no, but what are you, Ada? This is- it's never really made clear. No. Um, and I will say, too, somebody was talking about this book in relationship to The Heart Goes Last, oh. which was the last novel that Margaret Atwood put out. In the sense where, like, all of this stuff happens really ha- quickly and isn't really plotted very well. Like, it's like, okay, Maggie, like, you could have <laughs> just stopped. Yeah. Because it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And it's like, it all adds up and it all makes sense, but it's right. not got that artfulness and yeah. that um, that sense of calibration I that I associate with her greatest works. I uh, 100% agree. Um, this also reminds me a lot of The Terminator, which I've recently seen for the first time. I have never seen The Terminator. Oh, okay. When you see it, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the whole come with me if you want to live thing kind of i'm gonna say right now everybody said this to me and i was like fuck you i didn't even like the first movie second terminator movie way better <laughs> <laughs> so maybe just skip the first one uh yeah okay anyway so then they go to this sort of refugee center where she changes it's clothes run by the quakers who uh or at least it's in a quaker building which is a convenient front as well look Quakers are legit badasses. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like we give them enough credit as a society. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to talk about people who are consistently, A, on the right side of history, Mm -hmm. and B, give zero fucks about Mm -hmm. anything that, like, 
conflicts with their moral well-being like quakers i salute you but you probably wouldn't appreciate that because of its militaristic undertones yeah you're pacifists so quakers i incline my head favorably towards you and yours quakers i raise a non-alcoholic beverage in your general direction (laughs) quakers i raise some dry oats to you and wish you good day um also i love how maggie asks is like you know what teenagers love leggings (laughs) leggings <laughs> i love it so several times she has like she calls picked- up her daughter she's like jess pamela <laughs> ask uh what's uh what's olivia wearing Does no that- right now <laughs> put it put her on the phone olivia who's pamela it's gangy <laughs> i would die a thousand happy deaths and here's the if- thing they called her something different until she watched arrested development she said Pamela. It's her daughter. I thought her daughter's name is Jess. I don't know. I don't care. I'm making up a daughter. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a podcast where we do rigorous fact checking? It's a podcast where one of us does. (laughs) Pamela. I I know your name is Jess, but I like Pamela better. Listen, I've just watched this program on American TV. I know American TV. I want I want Olivia to call me gangy. And it's it's so funny because it's arrested in more ways than one. You see. It's just wonderful. And develop I love it. their property developers, but also uh, they refuse to grow. <laughs> anyway, Graham, Graham, do your impression of that one. Oh, I would love that. Oh, bless that. R.I.P. Um, she's running away in these new leggings, new life. I love this scene because she sees all of the Gilead refugees mm-hmm. and it's Sanctuary Care is the name of it. Very um, uh, Year of the Flood to me. Yeah, extremely Year of the Flood. And, you know, she sees them crying and she thinks, why cry? You should be happy you got out. Mm-hmm. But after all that's happened to me since that day, I understand why. Mm-hmm. So here's, you know, here's somebody who's finally understanding what PTSD is. <laughs> and also you hold it in whatever it is until you can make it through the worst part. Then mm. once you're safe, you can cry all the tears you couldn't waste time crying before. Mm. That's all I have to say about that. Is that sound? <laughs> then they go to these sort of abandoned apartments called Carnivon. I couldn't find any significance behind this other than it's like obviously a Welsh town. So if there's like literary significance to Carnivon, let us know. Uh, but we won't be able to get back to you for several episodes. Is so. it like a Carvel ice cream cake? Uh, maybe. Fudgy the whale? You know what? Maybe. I don't know. That's such an East Coast thing. I only know about it from episodes of the Family Guy. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> So she's obviously distraught and horrified. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I mean, why? They're having so much fun. But it's your birthday. There's cake. She brings you cake. <laughs> oh, I don't understand. Honestly, I'm like, bitch, could you just don't bring cake? Like, I know it's her birthday, but, but maybe like get her consent and be like, hey, I know your parents died and your whole life is gone. Um, but here's a cake. <laughs> Because it's not even her real birthday. I know. It's also kind of interesting that before she offers her cake, she's like, you want this apple? Which, like, you can just hear Maggie Atts going, get it? Apple of knowledge? She doesn't want it yet? She's not ready? She's not ready for it? It's like, all right. Have a cake of denial. Also, I just want to say every sandwich in Gilead in Canada is (laughs) salad-based. We got your egg salad. We got your chicken salad. I wonder if there's even meaning there. Like, uh uh-oh, Gilead has the egg, but Canada has the chicken. Um, Very silly. But I noticed a lot of salad-based sandwiches. I'm very angry about that. Good. Stay angry, little Meg. So then she kind of goes into fitful sleep 
uh, and is bummed. <laughs> Next chapter. Introducing her to more people from May Day. LOL. May Day is her birthday. That's funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Mayday, go home. You're Mayday, drunk. Mayday, you ain't slick either. <laughs> Mayday's payday. I think that's good enough marketing. Done. Everybody go home. It's time to have some chicken salad. <laughs> yeah, let's have another salad-based sandwich. Um, uh, tuna salad. Mm. Uh, egg salad. Macaroni salad. You wouldn't think to put it on a sandwich, but it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> no, I want to try that. That sounds bad, but also- oh man, what if you did it like a grilled cheese? So I've had that burger at, in Oakland. That's a hamburger, but with mac and cheese on it. And mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah. So maybe a, a cold sandwich would be the same. Um, <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Sandwich Cast. <laughs> um, Elijah comes, sees this other guy. She's like, "Tell me what?" And they go, "Oh, you don't know why." Your baby Nicole! (laughs) You there, boy! What day is today? Why, today is May Day, sir! (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, so a big reveal to, I guess, people who haven't been watching the show, but yeah. I just don't know how you could possibly be surprised by this. Yeah. And also, I feel like in whatever, like, promotional materials I read... I was like, oh, okay, this is obviously... Or, like, I don't know. I feel... I don't know. Maggie Atz said it explicitly in the, like, press tour. They're yeah. like, hey, so um, there's a character named Nicole in this book, and there's a character named Nicole in the show. Any relation? She's like, yeah, I made up the name Nicole. It's like, okay, wait. <laughs> cool. And there's, like, a real disagreement about how Nicole is spelled yeah, between that. the show and the book. <laughs> One, because, like... On the show, I was like, really? I was like, I thought we got rid of that spelling of Nicole. With like, the C-H? Yeah, I mean, just like in general like as it, a society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the book, I'm like, yeah, you're spelling it the right way. <laughs> so anyway, that's the big reveal. All right, the next chapter. Or maybe that's a, oh no, they're two different babies. One has an H. <laughs> Molly was right. None of these people are related to Off. <laughs> it's Off Miguel, like she intuited. <laughs> Good job. Uh, I must go back to my home planet now. <laughs> I would love that so much. God, I love Margaret Atwood. Um, So the next chapter is another one of my favorites because it's scary. I like the scary chapters in this book and they're all Aunt Lydia chapters. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, honestly, though, you know who my favorite is? Mm. Is uh, Agnes Jemima. Really? I like her chapters the best. That's so interesting. They're so meditative about faith and Mm. your relationship with faith and how does that show up in your life how does it affect your interactions with people she has my favorite line in the whole book uh much later on which we'll get to but like agnes jemima was my favorite character even though she is she is arguably like the stupidest one um i don't think she's stupid well she certainly wasn't educated yeah and she's got no not even that Daisy has street smarts, but just... We can agree. The stupidest one is Becca. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm oh, coming for Becca. Oh, Becca. I'm also the person that cracked up when Dobby died in the Harry Potter books. So I hated Dobby my heart so is black. much. Um, anyway. Honestly, Dobby sucks so hard. Dobby sucks. <laughs> Dobby fucking sucks. <laughs> he sucks. And that whole like spew thing oh, was just so that. tone deaf. I, like... <sighs> But I think the whole point of Hermione is she's a little tone deaf because she's an extra, extra little girl. Sure. 
But anyway, anyway. just like in term. Okay, look, it is really tone deaf, especially with the benefit of the years where it's like, oh, you named a character Cho Chang. Uh, yeah, great. Um, everything you do about race is bad. Yeah. Like, you're a turf. JK Rowling. Oh, baby. <laughs> Um, don't pity her she has billions of dollars i'm pitying the me that still loves her and is so disappointed in her <laughs> it's a me thing this next chapter is the thank tank Ooh, this was a good scary part thank tank thank tank thank tank <laughs> so it begins with her sort of communing with uh commander judd what's the deal with the calm and balm clinic is that where they euthanize ants I do not know. It did give me major Year of the Flood feels. Yeah. Because, wait, isn't that the name of the spa in Year of the Flood? No, it's Anuyu. Okay, yeah. Anuyu is um, another place. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what goes on there. Because it does seem like the place that he sends Shunammite later to kind of dispose of her. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, maybe it's like all purpose. You know, they're like, oh, yeah. it's a spa, but for a little extra. Yeah, I, I do definitely get like an ominous vibe from Calm yeah. and Bomb. Um, well, also just the idea that anything in Gilead is called Calm. I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't believe you. Absolutely. It gets kind of revealed that Commander Judd is kind of a bluebeard figure in that he like really quickly goes through these young wives. Oh, totally. Um, so that's scary. Here's actual plot. The two aunts who were in Canada, we actually met them at the Clothes Hound. Mm-hmm. Aunt Sally. Do you think that's for Sally Beauty Supply or Sally Hansen? Um, I'm going to say Sally Hansen. Okay. And then Aunt Adriana. This is the one where I'm like, mm. but then I also keep in mind that some of these could be Canadian brands that we're just not They could be, with. but I think I think there isn't a clothing line Adriana something, huh. but I'm like blanking on the last okay. name. Anyway. Um, I can't wait for Aunt Gucci to make an appearance. <laughs> I actually, I was thinking about seriously what mine would be, and I really like Aunt Chalilla, but it could be Aunt Gucci or Aunt JoJo's from Trader Joe's. Oh my god. <laughs> Aunt Oreo would be so funny, but Aunt JoJo's would be so cute. So I might be Aunt JoJo's. Or Aunt Gucci gang. I'm just going to be Aunt Kelly because I'll be one of the framers. You could. Well, isn't there a Kelly? There's Kelly something um there's kelly services which is like a temp agency there you go so anyway okay so aunt sally killed adriana Mm -hmm. because yes i'm like sorry i can't remember which one knew what about what aunt adriana we know is a mayday sort of plant or at least a similar kind of like was raised through aunt lydia to yeah so Aunt, aunt adriana knew something about aunt lydia's long game Aunt right. Sally did not. Right. So Aunt Sally was attacked by Aunt Adriana and fought back and killed her. Oh, or so. is it the other way? Uh-huh. Adriana's killed. Okay. Adriana's killed. And she's the one that knows. And okay. Is, is but Aunt Sally to... is the one who's in the dark about everything. Right. Okay. And then that's why they're sending her to the common balm yeah. to be like, well, she doesn't know anything. So let's keep it that way. Bye. They're trying her. to say, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Oh, get her out no. of there. Um, yeah. So they, they talk a little bit about that plot. They go to not common bomb. They go to the Marjorie Kemp retreat house, which is probably similar kind of yeah thing. did and you look up who marjorie kemp is did i look up who marjorie kemp is look who you're talking to babe uh marjorie kemp is this christian mystic who is said to have written the first autobiography in english so wow interesting. a lot of women telling their own stories yeah and that and also just a woman writing yeah so they kind of dispose about sally oh god <laughs> 
this there's a real groaner on page 140 oh sorry and this is what she says she did not wish aunt sally dead i simply wished her incoherent and so it has been so it's like are they just Uh, drugging her i don't know or again it's not clear i don't know it's sinister i think the kind of artful thing that maggie does here is like Aunt Lydia never talks about how brutal she is uh-huh. or the brutality that she's kind of letting happen. She's very light with that. She is very light really with it. cool. I think it's really cool. And I also think it ties back into sort of my original thing where it's like, does she mean any of this? Yeah. Like, is it? I don't know that she actually cares about anybody. And that's why I wish we had more information about her yeah. in her previous life, because it's like. Is this truly all just a revenge scheme that's about her? That's my read on yeah. it. And she's, even this book is her painting herself in a much kinder light mm-hmm. than, especially if you know, we know from the historical notes that they're putting this primary source next to the primary source that is The Handmaid's Tale. We see two vastly yeah. different versions of yeah. that, Lydia. I think both are true. But because Aunt Lydia's story is told from her own perspective, she is sanding off a lot of the edges. Mm -hmm. Again, I have thoughts about that when it comes to, I think, later in this section. But okay. Oh, my. Oh, no. It's time for your favorite line. I texted both you and Meg Ellison about this with about a thousand eye rolls. Um, Freaking A. She's talking to Commander Judd on page 140. They're talking about micro dots. Astonishing, I exclaimed. Not for nothing do we at Ardua Hall say pen is envy. Pen is envy. Pen is envy. Penis envy. Margaret Rutherford Atwood. How very dare you. Penis envy. Come on. Do you take me for a chump, Maggie? Am I a chump to you? Yes. (laughs) Okay, fair. You know what? Fair. Everyone is a chump except for crony. (laughs) Very fair. I found that part very eye-rolly. I wrote in in the margin of my book. Maggie. <laughs> it's very disparaging. But again, I mean, this is definitely Aunt Lydia putting on another layer of herself. She is a very different version of herself when she's right. with Commander Judd. Uh-huh. Then we go to the, as you mentioned, the aptly named Chaffle Cafe. For a cup of hot milk. These bitches drink hot milk all the time, and it is... I hate it. That is disgusting. Nasty. Well, again, I think my theory of you should pay attention to what drinks people share with whom really bears out in this book because uh, later she shares coffee and that is like the first thing of like you're a person again you can have coffee later later in the book judd lets her have rum in her coffee Mm -hmm. which is a big concession of power we've got this like who drinks tea and who drinks milk like maggie atz knows what she's doing with this motif of what drinks do we drink together oh god I, now, I had a lot of love for these Girl Scout camp counselors in the stadium mm-hmm. as Gilead is forming, because I would like to think that that would be me. I don't think that it, I think in actuality, I'd be scared and pooping myself and crying, but I'd like to think that I'd be like, black socks, they never get dirty. The longer you wear them, the blacker they get. Okay, we'll do a round. Come on, come on. Okay, though, here's my question. Uh, who? What summer camp are people singing We Shall Overcome at? Actually, this is good. So a lot of, jeez, a lot of like camps are religious camps that kind of grew out of religion. Okay. Uh, Even Girl Scouts and Girl Scouts and Girl Guides and Boy Scouts and Boy Guides or whatever grew from being religious to being more and more secular. So at a lot of 
day camps, you sing songs that are like churchy songs. Okay, but that is specifically a civil rights anthem. Oh, burr. Um, brain fart so yeah. i think they're more singing it to be like come on girls don't lose hope Let's i guess sing. so it just feels i don't know it felt weird that like that was it that but, one to me seems weird because that's not a song that i know people immediately know the words to so. no yeah and i mean but i mean i think it is okay so here's this we know there's no black people here right <laughs> there's no black people in this stadium because they've right. all been relocated to detroit right so why are they singing we shall overcome because they're white ladies who are trying to make the best of a bad situation and they're by like, appropriating black culture yeah and one lady in the corner was like i tried to start a kesha song but nobody wanted to <laughs> sing with me so i guess we're singing this now that was me that was you. <laughs> i hope you're somewhere praying no oh my god no i'd sing one that slaps yeah <laughs> i like praying it's fine but it's not gonna like no, it's not going to. It's going to be TikTok. OK. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. No, man, I'm singing it. Wake up in the morning <laughs> feeling like P. Diddy. Like, come on. I would love the like group of people who are like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to die. Let's sing Kesha really loud. And my glasses out the door. I'm about to hit this city. Oh, I Before wanna... I leave, brush my teeth with a cup of hot milk. Uh, that would actually probably be way more effective. when I leave for the night, I'm going to be wearing silk. Nice. That's yeah, great. You. listeners if you donate enough to venmo i will go on the kesha cruise by myself and have a great time. <laughs> i've always wanted to go what do you anyway. mean you'll go by yourself you want to come on the kesha cruise Bitch, i love kesha she okay. fucked a ghost she did she's very vocal about that all right well <laughs> please give to the venmo so kelly and i can go on the kesha cruise oh i love this uh so they talk she talks about how like everybody's having these scary bad dreams and I love this line of, I'm fully aware how easily one can become fatigued by other people's nightmares. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is so resonant when like you recount any kind of trauma. It's like, it's so hard for us to empathize with experiences that are not our own. But also, if they're coming fast and furious, one on top of each other, like I am... Throughout this whole section, I was like, I would do basically what she does. Yeah, I agree. Right down to firing the gun. I'd be like you know what fuck it like I don't know what's happening I'm exhausted like oh I can stand up to torture I absolutely cannot no I can't stay on a diet I'm not gonna stand up to torture (laughs) yeah uh yeah I'm inclined to believe the same thing um yeah no but I think you would do what Anita does and not like you would be like the good person that's a lovely reading of me that I don't think is true but I like that you think that's true okay cool (laughs) Well, I guess we'll find out. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Aunt Jojo. Oh, poor Aunt Jojo. (laughs) Just started singing a song nobody could sing along to and then was killed. Um, (laughs) This is another sort of great line from Aunt Lydia is giving up with the new normal. And I have to say it was catchy. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, it hurts my stomach. Um, so she kind of has this thing going where, okay, uh, this is all right. I'm here with my friend Anita, kind of similar to how June and Moira were together Mm -hmm. at the beginning. And it's bad, but it is kind of slightly made better by, and this is truly the worst thing to have to spend the last of your life with your work acquaintance. (laughs) I would be really bummed. No, and I love this daydream about 
like a beautiful clean white toilet and uh, i don't know though I, I know i just said to be like yeah i fucking kill people i don't care um but like also like you know if it's more of like a station 11 type apocalypse i know like i'm like mm, i'm gonna be going out in the first wave like oh you think oh god i don't have any upper body strength i have no discernible <laughs> skills oh yeah uh i can chop wood yeah i'm uh i can dig a well um i could. I could do a podcast. But what's great about Station Eleven is they make room for those kinds of people. Like, well, yeah, but they also can like hunt and build a fire, and they all kill people. Like, it's not like kind of. This is not a Station Eleven podcast. Though I wish that it were because I like Mm. that book. This keeps going on. They kind of find out that it's all like lawyers, women of a certain age, similar fields. Blah blah blah. Anita is taken in the night so sad they keep every day they kind of go out sit in the stadium for forever come back in everybody's dirty everybody's crying it's terrible people are being spirited away in the night anita's taken it's really sad um this is weird so i think this is maggie at saying okay it's not just white people (laughs) because she has somebody say take care in spanish on page 145 which i thought was nice um but still it's kind of sideways gesture to be like no 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 there was some brown people i think or just gwyneth paltrow (laughs) yeah i mean i think more likely than not it's somebody who got past the purges sure and that doesn't negate like i don't like i just don't understand like she's been very explicit they very intentionally got rid of the non-white people so here is a person who probably got through the purges Right. So they're white passing, I guess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Lydia's being taken out. She meets with Judd for the first time. She's very, like, doesn't know how to make of this situation. Um, She can't tell what he wants to hear. Yeah. And And she would be happy to say what he wants to hear, but she hasn't gotten enough information to him, from him, to know what that is. And he kind of does this rigmarole of asking if she's thankful that God made you in a woman's body, she's like, I guess. And he's like, not thankful enough. Bye. So it's clear <laughs> there's like nothing she could have said that would have made him skip this next step. Because looking at sort of the path that she goes through next, like this is clearly a system. Uh-huh. You go through this And if you make it through this, you get to go through the next one and then the next one and so on and so forth. So she gets to go to this thank tank, which sucks. It's basically solitary confinement. Not one of the commander's finest efforts. In naming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Oh, man. Uh, All the copywriters were women. (laughs) Well, we let one return to her desk and she's crying. (laughs) But she's real weird. I don't think she's opening an incognito window to look at (laughs) Jezebel.com. I would. That's how I copyright. Um, yeah, so this think tank is like this solitary confinement. It, it's terrible. I like this line about it had only a socket and this was not live. Of course, I stuck my finger yeah. into it after a while. You would have too. Yeah. That was the most terrifying Oof. part of this book to me. Oof, it's so. And they say that, again, very, I'm going to say this, very Terminator 2 style. Uh, the guards come in and bother her and she's very quick to say that it wasn't rape Mm -hmm. 
but she doesn't quite say what it was. So it's a lot yeah, of like she just says, on purpose gray area. She says that uh, the noises I emitted were familiar to me. I had heard them nearby. Oh, that was just them beating her. Yeah. And then she says, no, she was not raped. I suppose I was already too old and tough for the purpose. Uh, or maybe they were priding themselves on their high moral standards, but I doubt this very much. That's so great. Ugh. That is something I know I already talked about the terror briefly, but um, two boats, two boats. Uh, <laughs> so this guy is saying to this woman who's been like handled roughly. She mm-hmm. has not been sexually assaulted, but she has definitely been through the ringer as the result of these Englishmen who are in the Arctic. And he's like, I don't recognize this behavior. And I'm like, dude, have you never met another dude? Like, come on. Like, do you know, like how do you, the British empire happened? Yeah. Cause everybody was like, Oh, uh, let me get you a cup of tea, madam. (laughs) Would it be terribly difficult? (laughs) I can ask to borrow a cup of the rights to your entire country. Oh, yeah. I love that episode of Downton Abbey. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. Gosh, it's so chilling. And then she sort of has this resolve that I think we're supposed to get colors the rest of her time as she goes, uh, I will get you back for this. I don't care how long it takes or how much shit I have to eat in the meantime, but I will do it. Okay. Which is straight from your Tinder bio, no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. fucking lootly. Oh, my God. There's a new app called, like, Mindful Dating. What? And I checked it out. Oh, is this the one that's, like, we have, um, like, consciousness thought starters? Yeah. Nice breakers is what they're called. Nice breakers. Oh. And, like, they have a field for your Enneagram type. And then, like, it, I was like, okay, maybe I can find somebody with a sense of humor. But then, like, everything was, like, if you said you liked yoga, it was, like, how does yoga show up in your daily life? And I was like, nope, shut it down. I only like it when Terry asked me that because she's always (laughs) laughing when she does. Um, So then this part I loved, like from a purely sensory perspective, I think Margaret Atwood does this amazing job of sort of like really like cherry picking the most visceral details of being in the thank tank and then when she gets out and she's in this like not even a nice hotel no just like a fucking holiday inn yeah and just being where there's a toilet and a bed mm-hmm. and food oh i so good. i felt as though i were in the lap of luxury i know it, it and it's so like manipulative that they put those two experiences right next to each other because you get to see like if you refuse it's more of that and if uh-huh. you agree it's Kind of more of this. Yeah. And how, honestly, how could you refuse under those conditions? I I guess Anita did. Anita did, but I'm not Anita. Um, this is the part where I, I definitely would be like, yeah, I guess this is what I'm doing now. More like Anita Bath. <laughs> <laughs> ah, R.I.P. Anita. So oh. sorry. I love how, they, how she describes drinking coffee but wanting a martini, a.k.a. my forever state. Uh, um, and cof- coffee is so important in this book because it's something that like so few people get. And it's such a like it's the one vice you're allowed to have a mm-hmm. little of. Well, and I mean, you can have alcohol a bit. A bit. A bit. Well, they don't get coffee most of the time. That's why they're always drinking hot milk. Like, why don't you just drink fondue? Mm. But but it is like to be able to ingest a stimulant like that is so... um, You have such agency Mm -hmm. in doing a a vice to your body like that. Um, 
one thing, and this comes up a couple of times in the book, and I can't decide if it's Margaret Atwood or if it's Aunt Lydia, Mm -hmm. but she talks about, I lost weight, I could see my ribs, which had reappeared after a decades-long absence due to fast food lunches. Like... I've been very like sensitive to like cultural fat shaming right. lately, but so. there's quite a bit of it threaded through here from Aunt Lydia specifically, where she's just like, "Oh, so and so is like fat, and so and so is chubby." And it's like Maggie, come on, yeah, like Maggie. you carry your purse everywhere, you fucking nerd. Like, <laughs> oh, man, really let's that. not yeah. let's not get started on uh, correlation, not equaling causation when it comes to eating stuff. You know which other author does this a lot more than I had realized is I've been listening to this podcast. It's awesome. You, y'all would love it. It's called The Bloom Saloon. Mm-hmm. And it's where they, they dissect Judy Bloom mm-hmm. books. And Judy Bloom does it so much. And it's so sad. I never clocked it. No, I mean, up. it's just, I mean, what it, you know, it's like any other consciousness raising thing where it's like, oh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't negate all of the good that she does. But it's just she's such a product of her time in that well, calling out. Yeah weight even in like tiger eyes which is a book about grief and about how she loses weight because of grief she's still kind of into it yeah oh it's so no and i mean it's like you know that recent thing where like james corden went on to be like hey bill mark quit calling us fat we're trying to not be fat and i'm like james corden i'm not trying to not be fat yeah i'm eating amazing foods and Mm. not feeling bad i know you're on tv but your life is much easier than mine yeah also i heard he's a real dick yeah well uh maybe don't listen to james corden but do listen to the bloom saloon it's a great yeah. podcast and listen to us listen you're to us. beautiful <laughs> listen to us i hope they're already listening to us listen to us more listen to us more listen to us again listen to us in the sky <laughs> we did have a, a person call in and say that they work as a a, a per, on-flight person and they listen to us in the sky oh that's so great so shout out to you bud all right so this next red over in the sky <laughs> i can go twice as high <laughs> The so spring green is the next section, and it's an Agnes Jemima chapters. I think I like Agnes Jemima because she's so rigorous in the way that she tells her story mm-hmm. to these unseen interlocutors. Where she's like, "Yeah, I will now describe the preparations leading up to my proposed yeah. marriage, as there has been some interest expressed in the way such things were conducted in Gilead. Just like if I was ever like captured, for I'd be like, "Hello, good sir, <laughs> whence." Shall your questions be coming? I will endeavor to answer them. And even her being as clear as she's being, they are still like disparaging her in the historical notes for not being even clearer. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Those fucking nerds. Oh, I love the historical notes of this book so much. Um, Here's what I'll say. I, I love the historical notes in the book in the original but honestly i guess if i had to slog through fucking 500 pages of this shit just to get the like 10 pages of historical notes on this book mm, worth it (laughs) maybe worth it um it's worth it to to me to sit here with you on a sunday and chat about all this um so anyhow trying to pick a uh, husband for Agnes Jemima. And they're doing this because Paula just like wants her out of there. Paula is not into this. She pulls her out of school. Yeah. Um, And it's so interesting because she truly has like nothing to do. No, she has nothing and no one. And she is depressed. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, uh, Gilead's not real great on that. Yeah. Nobody was like, oh, hey, do you maybe like need to talk to somebody because your mom died? And yeah. Nope. Your dad's you got name, a new dress. You're and, fine. And your dad's name is Kyle Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk talk? 
let's talk talk about kyle kyle <laughs> do they so, call the baby mark 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 like jack jack i love jack jack oh i love jack jack too. if i had th- there's no reason for me to have a human baby because if it's not like jack jack like what's even the point <laughs> oh believe me any baby of yours would also burst into flames <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it so you can see why i'm protecting the planet <laughs> um eh. So the next chapter is more of that. They also- and they're like, they're like, they're going over her body the way you would a horse yeah. or the way you would a slave when yeah. slavery was the way things were in the United yeah. States, which yes. actually was not that long nope. ago. I was reading an article that was like, yeah, it hasn't even been two lifetimes. No. The next page on page 158 uh mentions the only bit of handmaid's tale merch that i still require which is these handmaid's tale playing cards which are so cool they replace all the face cards with commanders and wives and uh the handmaids are the hearts oh it's so cool i really want these cards really badly and i'm pissed off that we get so much more handmaid's tale merch that isn't this because that would be so cool um how much merch is there there's like a bunch of t-shirts they just made these cool copies of the testaments where they like embroider the name on there like there's cool merch but that's what i want i just don't think there's that much merch there's a lot of merch baby i don't really not officially made but oh okay all right okay out of print great handmade still (laughs) merch i just got a sick pen from them um yeah because pen is envy oh jeez louise and they didn't even oh I like wish they had tied that in closer. Well, because when you sent me the picture of that pen, it was right below your text about pen is envy. And I was like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> it's funny. Um, Ooh, uh, Aunt Gabbana comes with her it. wardrobe team. Love it. Love uh, to see it. Say yes to the dress. So she has to wear green now mm-hmm. leading she- up to her wedding. There's a whole wardrobe team, which feels excessive to me. But it's very Hunger Games. Yeah. Um, there's also an Aunt Betty as in Crocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Aunt Lorna, I guess Lorna Dune. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Chips Ahoy in the corner. <laughs> Aunt Chips would be so cute. I'd be Aunt E.L. Fudge. <laughs> except that's not technically like a women's brand. Uh, I'd be Aunt Snackwells. I was just going to say. <laughs> I can't believe I used to think those were good. Like I think about them now and I'm like I could have just had a real cookie. I always wanted them but never had them we had them and like they were not like there's a there's a better there's a better cookie mm-hmm. lurking in the soul of that mm-hmm. cookie that cookie really wants to be something better than it is <laughs> and you know what i relate i really relate to a snack well i do love my old pink and plum clothes were taken away to be clean and reused for younger girls gilead was at war we did not like to throw things out so presumably the same girl that gets her old busted dollhouse also gets her pre barrel yeah. dresses. They're like, here. So cute. Poshmark. Um, this is from Kyle Kyle. <laughs> Ooh, Kyle Kyle's dress dress. Um, <laughs> so then blah, blah, blah. She's in premarital preparatory fun. Uh, rubies as in a price above rubies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a good woman is hard to find or something from the Bible. Once again, I'm getting Ella Enchanted vibes because she's sent to like basically a finishing school and she has friends at that finishing school. Um, so Becca and Shunamite are there. God, I love Shunamite. <laughs> Shunamite really she's annoyed such an asshole. I love her of me. So much. I did not enjoy her. But again, I love Agnes Jemima so much. Uh-huh. I was like, you leave her alone. <laughs> Yeah, so they tell them more about 
what's going to happen when they get married. Becca is distraught. She keeps saying over and over and over, I just really don't want to get married. I'm scared. Ugh, this is so sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of uh, 162, where they're talking about sex and... um, this is so sad what Becca says. She says, I don't care. Oh, Shunamite is kind of saying, yeah, it's sex is whatever. You get your own house and your own Martha's and it'll be fun. And Becca is like, I don't care about cars or Martha's or even handmaids. It's the horrible feeling, the wet feeling. It's so sad because mm-hmm. she's been molested. And like uh, Agnes intuits it at this moment that she's been molested. And it's just like, oh, it's so sad. And I like just prior to that when she's like why is becca freaking out and she's like i remembered how upset she'd been by the story of the concubine cut into 12 pieces but i did want to ask her another girl's disgrace could rub off on you if you got too close to it and that is still so true and i think it's an interesting parallel to what we hear from aunt lydia when she's being tortured where she's saying the fatigue of hearing other people's nightmares so it's this combination of like that's a great time even in this time where like nobody talks about anything real Mm -hmm the whiff of anything improper is just like oppressive yeah oh geez louise so they keep going to this finishing school another little but also um becca has also found out that her real mother was a handmaid oh right i love the friendship between becca and agnes jemima and it really i think kicks into gear Mm -hmm. at this point definitely because she had called shunamite her best friend Last mm-hmm. we heard from her, and now she's. But really- it was the situation where Shunamite wanted to be her best friend because mm-hmm. up until you know Tabitha died, right. and there was this sort of pall cast over her family. Mm-hmm. She was the highest ranking daughter, right, in their academy, mm-hmm. and so. Shunamite being the climber that she is, like she judges everybody how many Marthas right. they have. And so because Agnes Jemima's house had the most Martha, she was like, well, you're going to be the most valuable friend. Yeah. Okay. And so MDF. she almost like bullied her into being her best friend. Absolutely. Uh, so this is so sad. They, Becca gets worse and worse and worse. She's like throwing up at school. She's like really scared as her wedding gets closer and closer until it culminates, they're arranging daisies, and uh, Becca tries to kill herself with the flower arranging scissors and gets taken away. Which is a baller move. It is a baller move. It's a baller move. move. If you're going to fucking do it, yeah. it's a great way to try to go. I also <sighs> was interested in the fact that they taught them to cook food, um, yeah. even a little bit. And yeah. I loved this. It was as disrespectful, one might even say sinful, to divine providence to mistreat food by cooking it badly as it was Mm -hmm. to discard it uneaten. I just thought that was a really interesting way to think about minimizing food waste. It is. I love it. Um, Yeah. So she bleeds all over these white Shasta daisies and... They're not white anymore. Nope. That's not symbolic. No. (laughs) I like this line at the end where it goes, I thought I was learning how to act or rather how to be an actress or how to be a better actress than before. Uh-huh. Yeah, because <laughs> like, you weren't doing great, Agnes. Keep your feelings to the vest. Oh, God, you know who's a fucking horrible actress is fucking Jade. I get so mad at the <laughs> Jade chapters where she's in Arju Hall. Like, anyway, we'll get there. Uh, next, we have another uh, Aunt Lydia chapter. She's having a nightmare. Um, and it's about the moment when she has to shoot the other women. Mm-hmm. Now, they kind of do it wonky where they say some people are given blanks uh 
So you kind of don't know who shot who, but she is haunted like she shot people. Yes. They go into flashing back to talking to Judd after she's been in the R&R. Um, she's 53. She's been married. She's had an abortion. She's, you know, he knows all of this about her. Um as he's taking her in and asking her to be one of the quote unquote founders of Gilead. Um, we get the what of what she did as a judge, but we don't necessarily get any of her thinking about those things. So it was domestic cases, sexual assault, female criminals, sex workers suing for enhanced protection, Mm -hmm. property rights and divorces, medical malpractice, especially by gynecologists, removal of children from unfit mothers, um, she also volunteered at a rape crisis center as a yeah. student, which is like ironic. Oh, yeah. So that to me also doesn't track with like, shit, that sucks. If you saw that, it's crazy that you're also enabling this system of continued rape. I know you're doing it to save your skin, but mm-hmm. interesting backstory. But as she is that, says, is she, like, is she, how much do you think it's to save her skin versus to get revenge? Hard to say. It's, yeah. it's really hard to say. It's so muddy. I don't think we get a yeah. clear answer. And I don't know that I fall either way. I don't know that I have an opinion. It was just something I thought of. I love this notion at the end of page 172 where she goes, I too was once like you, fatally hooked on life. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's such a good line. Um, all right. So they get Elizabeth, Helena and Vidalia together to talk about how they're going to form Gilead. And so this is where the sharing of the coffee comes in. It's like you have to have women do it to other women. Mm-hmm. It's a whole part of the framing device. Her fault. Her fault. Ugh. Her fault. I hate it. I mean, it also explains why their rituals are so blunt and inelegant. Because it was like just these four random people. They were like, we guess. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's it's really interesting that they made up all of the chants that they do. They made up the uniform. They made up everything. Um, all of this is a bummer. I like this. It's on page 175. Women have been told for so long that they can achieve equality in the professional and public spheres. They will not welcome the, I sought for a word, the segregation. Then Commander Judd says, it was always a cruelty to promise them equality, he said, since by their nature, they can never achieve it. We've already begun the merciful task of lowering their expectations. I underline that too. I think about this a lot in terms of just like, okay, is equality between the genders possible? But I mean, it's much more about like, okay, how on both sides do we break down like these years of like programming that because we're so different biologically or psychologically or all of these other things that it's just not possible. And I just think it's a really interesting thing to engage with. And this is certainly a solution. Uh, we're yeah. like, you're, um, you're not. Okay. Ladies, bye bye. Worried about having it all. What if you had nothing? nothing. None of it. <laughs> you not certainly at all. wouldn't worry about having it all anymore because you'd be <laughs> slaves. Get it? <laughs> Freedom from, baby. Freedom oh, from. This is really making me want coffee. I might have to make a pot Ooh, before, I'll, I'll before we record again. <laughs> I'll partake of that with you. I love coffee and I love sharing it with my good friends. It's friend. so interesting. It's like, I, that's how I know I have a very addictive personality because even if I'm like watching a movie at night and like i am very caffeine sensitive so it's like if i have coffee after like four fucking forget it and basically i'm just like yeah fucking cup of coffee sounds good right about now yeah unfortunately i'm like that and then but with alcohol so Ah. hey 
can't watch Mad Men anymore. Just kidding. I watch Mad Men a lot and drink a lot. Hello. Um, yeah, well, when you have a cup of coffee, you're like, man, a martini sounds good right about now. <laughs> it always does. Do you like your martinis like super dirty? I do. I'm, um, I love them like Dagobah, like murky. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, not anymore. Right. But like <laughs> when I did, I was like, yeah. This is a, a Mama Sanchez move that I always respect. Homegirl will order a martini and they'll be like, excuse me, can I please have a glass of olive juice so that I can add more dirt to my martini. <laughs> that's so great. It's baller. No, that's great. Oh, well, because, I mean, a martini is just fucking vodka. A gin in our case. But yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's just alcohol and, yeah. and olive juice. Anyway. Yum. Wow. wow. Glad now I'm I having want, one now of those I want, tonight. Now I want olive juice. <laughs> just drink olive juice. And that's the beauty of it, is if you're sober, you can just drink olive juice, <laughs> which is the best part of it anyway. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, they talk about they build Gilead, basically. Yeah, and it's also interesting because, again, this is where the whole equality thing mm-hmm. falls apart or just like being like oh yeah like the second you underestimate anybody mm-hmm. and you're like oh you can't possibly intrude on my sphere <laughs> i'm like bitch they fucking can't like anybody can yeah like don't fool yourself don't be so quick and that's gilead a dum-dums great thing about aunt lydia she's always aware anybody could fuck her over at any time yeah which sounds exhausting frankly <laughs> well under some conditions i mean smiling i already is a workout. I already feel this way as a Scorpio. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> so something interesting about uh, this is that this is when Commander Judd tells her as kind of a treat to tell her is he tells her that her rifle contained a blank and she didn't actually shoot mm-hmm. anybody. So to me, this is the story that frames how I think about Lydia is she's very much interested in telling this story where she's like, oh, I feel haunted, but I may never have actually done anything wrong. Yeah. Which is so from what we know from the other primary source, which is the Handmaid's Mm -hmm. Tale, not true. Yeah. And she's on purpose sanding over the edges where she's like, oh, LOL, I enabled rape and torture and I first-hand torture she doesn't talk about the rachel and leah center at all at all it does not come up the only person who mentions the rachel and leah center is agnes jemima yeah and she and it's like it sounds like a you know a ghoulish like yeah you know saw movie to these girls yeah and so i think it's purpose i think aunt lydia is in it for herself but she's also very carefully crafting this story so that the people who find it who she suspects will be like mayday aligned people mm-hmm. are going to look at her more sympathetically but mm-hmm. i don't i think that we have to take her f- word with salt because she's trying to preserve her legacy for the new world order if she thought that gilead would win i think she would write this way differently yeah but i think she's betting on mayday well not and- because she thinks mayday is a better system or whatever. Well, she's, she's just betting on her legacy. I know, but she's in this story that she's telling us. She's telling it in such a way that it's Mayday facing. Yes. I would also say, and we'll get into this when this actually happens, like, I have so many questions about the gratitude of the family at the end to Aunt Lydia. Because, like, they, they, you know, are just like, oh, like, for her many, yeah. like, contributions. Yeah. And I'm like, is that meant to be read ambiguously? Because we know... Insofar as we can know anything, uh, as is pointed out to us repeatedly by (laughs) Professor Piotto, um, you know, she did a bunch of bullshit, like, to Offred. Yeah. Specifically. The mother of these two girls who revere her. Who revere her and then she facilitates their escape. Yeah. So that's interesting is, like, different people have different 
perspectives on the same thing and they can both be true um yeah so that's great well and we this is also where we get sort of the um the the lowdown on the other aunt so aunt Mm -hmm. vitala has been with gilead since the beginning Mm -hmm. i would say in all likelihood she did not have to go through this process right whereas i think the other three did right and she hates aunt lydia because aunt lydia just was like all right bitches i'm in charge right and aunt uh vitala was like no but but me but i've been here promote me and commander judd was like i don't you all look the same to me i don't care so helena was the one who worked in pr she had a collection of shoes which she loved here's another thing on page 177 she was plump at that time though she has dwindled since so you know thanks (laughs) thanks maggie and then um and elizabeth is a vassar girl and she had worked as an executive assistant to a powerful female senator in washington and the thank tank had broken something in her. Her birthright and education had not saved her and she was dithery. So I love this. And it's probably something we should think about when it comes to Aunt Lydia as well. What is it in them that the thank tank breaks Ooh. and spits them back out into the world less capable than they were yeah we don't have any sense of what aunt lydia's moral compass was Mm. before this happened to her Mm -hmm. so we really don't have any like she's able to pass this judgment on these women Mm. but also i mean i don't know like she was dithery maybe maybe elizabeth was dithery before yeah you know we have no real sense of who these women were before and what changed but at the same time we do know that aunt lydia is ruthless enough that Mm. at the first opportunity (sighs) to see these women who could be her allies and this is true when she's in the stadium she does not think of any of those women as allies it's like she's a shark yeah. She's like, it's kill or be killed. Yeah. And I have to ferret out everybody's weaknesses before they can find Oof. mine, which also ties into her trailer park upbringing. Yeah. Like, I wasn't a trailer park family. I always kind of make the distinction, like, there's white trash and there's rednecks. <laughs> and I was, so I was a redneck okay. family. Um, We were related to and knew people who were white trash. But, like, that's sort of, like, how that stratifies. Sure. sure. And just I related really strongly to sort of like the being the very bookish one and like working really hard and like trying to do all these things, which gets you no respect from your family. Right. And again, it was a very different, you know, my parents were very like, go to college, blah, blah, blah. But it was just like, you know, my parents wanted me to get diplomas. They didn't Mm. want me to actually develop critical thinking Uh, skills. Interesting. Um, So when I did develop critical thinking (laughs) skills, that was a real problem. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. So many years of therapy later, uh, I host this podcast, Yay! but I, you know, it, it's this thing where it's like, I understand being laser focused and being like yeah. school and learning and climbing this ladder is the thing that gets me out of this mm-hmm. and I can be somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. So scrappy. This next section is a Daisy section. My least favorite sections. Um, <laughs> Jeez, oh, actually, oh, sorry. We, me. I just want to bring this up because <laughs> in the sense that this book has a plot, Aunt Vitala does bring up the offerings at Aunt Lydia's statue. Uh, yeah. And this is where mm-hmm. Aunt Lydia starts to suspect that one of her right. founders, one of her co-founders is like setting, setting something up and trying to undermine her mm-hmm. and somehow doing this whole thing with the offerings to take Lydia down. That's important. So she's planting the seeds. I do like how she says that 
she said this earlier, but she takes the oranges to yeah. eat. Um, but we know also it's very hard to get oranges in Gilead. Yeah. From the book and the show. Car right. pits. That's a very, um, uh-huh. that's a very year of the flood oryx and creek. I thought so too. Yeah. If she's, she's just like this. I think her propensity to kind of name things, punny names mm-hmm. has increased with age. It's yeah. just, again, and I've said this on this podcast before, but to look at somebody like Margaret Atwood versus somebody like David Foster Wallace, who dudes all have a boner for, who does the same and worse in terms of puns in some of his work. It's just fascinating to me. It feels yeah. very gendered. I like the puns, but sometimes they do get heavy handed. I like, I, and it's I, appreci- not even like I appreciate what you're saying. Some of the puns, I'm just like, fucking. But I mean, also, like, look at our society. Yeah. It is full of puns. Look at this podcast. Pun, pun, punner time. Pun, pun, punner time. I will say, um, I am so sad that we never got to do our Year of the Flood cast that we were planning. Uh, we just got way too busy, but yeah. I really liked that book. It's such a good book. It's okay. We'll just have to talk about it socially, like <laughs> regular people. Is it even friendship if we're not making content? <laughs> we'll find out. So this next chapter is a Daisy chapter. She's reconciling with knowing that she's Nicole. And, well, then- and I loved... I love when they told her because they were explaining what happened. She was like, oh, like baby Nicole. Yeah. And they were like, hey, dummy, you are baby Nicole. My other favorite instance of that is later when Aunt Lydia is telling Agnes, she's like, baby Nicole is here. And Agnes is like, cool. She's in Gilead. And then Lydia goes, no, here. She goes, great. In Ardua Hall somewhere. And Jade is like, fucking right here, you dumbass. I think it was, maybe I'm wrong. I think it was Becca who was like that confused. I don't know. I don't know. It was one anyway, of them that was It happens multiple times where people are like, baby, Nicole is back, baby. It was a and real. And everybody's like, what do you mean? Speaking of Gangi's favorite show, it was a real <laughs> like, maybe your father is closer than you think. <laughs> Anyway, that's neither here nor there. They kind of say like, uh-oh, Gilead's kind of closing in on us. I love that baby had caused a lot of trouble for a lot of people just by being born. Uh-huh. That is how I feel about myself and every baby. <laughs> so like, shit, we got to get on the run again. Mm, they're also going. having coffee. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to make some coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then we get introduced to alleged babe of the book, Garth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he comes in in this mm. next chapter you know i've always liked the name garth <laughs> party on garth party on garth in my <laughs> pants <laughs> right and i'm like his name's garth yeah imagine imagine having sex with a guy named garth and like in the height of passion be like oh, oh garth, garth. <laughs> no offense if your name is garth or if your boyfriend's oh, name is garth but. oh my garth <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, give it to me, Garth. <laughs> so horrible. Poor Garth. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Garth. Oh, Garth. I'm so fucking close, Garth. Garth, Garth. is in this room. <laughs> Where? No, he's not. He's inside of you. Okay. Sorry, Garth. <laughs> oh, we are foul, and I love it. Uh, so this is your favorite part because uh, it's where Ada t- Ada talks about uh, to smuggle baby Nicole over state lines. She drugged the baby, which we've been <gasps> saying since day one. Drug the I baby. love a person who knows you have to drug the baby. Gotta drug the baby. You want to smuggle a baby? You better drug that baby. DTB baby. Got a got a drug to smug. Got a drug to smug. <laughs> what is the donkey one? It's a little bit wonky. It's. Little bit wonky, gonna be dead as a donkey. That's right. 
I don't remember the context I don't of either. what I that said. That happened this episode. Um. So yeah, they meet Garth. They talk about how they're going to sneak her out. I do like this part. Part stealer, part stolen. I'm ambidextrous. Hot. <laughs> I like that line. Talking about Garth, talking about getting baby Nicole out of there, talking about this chapter is nothing. This is just a bullshit chapter. I mean, we met Garth. We also find out that George is a member of Mayday, the street person that Daisy would be like, don't let him use the bathroom. He's a weird perv. He is a weird perv, but for Mayday. Exactly. Um, <laughs> next chapter, they're still. I running. also enjoy like Ada's weird sayings that are like yeah. half accurate. Like curiosity got the cat in trouble, and I'm like, tell me more. Maggie loves a malappropriation. <laughs> she just digs it, and she keeps using them. Um, blah blah blah. Explaining sort of. I mean, they're just they're going to a safe house. Yeah, they explain she the microdots. I think is this where she starts training. Yeah, not yet. It's next chapter. So there's a lot of like fluff getting into this with a little bit of world building sprinkled in. She does basically say, I somehow agreed to go to Gilead without ever definitely (laughs) agreeing. Because basically they're all like, well, we only have one idea for what to do with you. And it's to do this sting into Gilead where you get recruited by the Pearl Girls. Right. And you go in and that's fine. Yeah. And there's no other. They're running out of room to run because Mm -hmm. they can't really take her to another country so the plan becomes uh we have somebody on the inside of gilead that says they'll give us this big parcel of information that can take down gilead but Mm -hmm. we have to trade you for it and maybe you can get it and then come back is basically the plan i also like that garth despite his canadian name is from the republic of texas which seceded and is still at war with gilead although that war has kind of like simmered down a little bit so they're neutral Mm -hmm. but garth has been radicalized so he came to canada Mm -hmm. to join mayday um you know i would fall in love with garth if i I was if i was look if i was 16 my parents got exploded yeah. on my birthday, which turned out it was not my birthday. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, I suddenly am a foot soldier in this like low key clandestine war on Gilead. I'm in love with you, Garth. Yeah, honestly, very relatable. I've yeah. fallen in love under less excruciating circumstances to much shittier guys. So and this, I understand. Is, this is where they're like, hey, quit swearing so much, Nicole. And she's like, fuck you. Oh, and she's learning um, combat, which is, again, very year of the flood because Zeb teaches urban bloodshed limitation class. I know. I thought of that, too. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's just because that's the last Maggie Atz book I read. But- no, 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 no. Because it's definitely I mean, I've, I've read that book a bunch of times but like it's it's very like mm, i'm just gonna go back through my notes remember when i was reading here the flood i'm like oh my gosh maddie predicted so many things like inside ear headphones and blah 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 and you're like babe it was written in like 2010 <laughs> <laughs> oh, um here the flood's great uh so they're teaching her how to kill they're teaching her how to pray they give her a tattoo that says God and love, and that's Boy. supposed to be how their source inside of Gilead understands who she is. When did you figure out who the source in Gilead is that they're talking about? Oh, that's interesting. I will say for as cynical as I've been of like knowing that that was Nicole and knowing that they were related, the Aunt Lydia thing didn't hit me until maybe this next uh passel of chapters that Basically, we're about Basically, as about. soon as they said source in uh-huh. Gilead, I was like, Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
is a huge reveal i just didn't smell it as soon as i smelled other things um okay so this last section for this section is don't know how to pronounce this word but secateurs i think it's just uh, i don't know (laughs) it's another arjua hall holograph which i get so excited for um she in aunt lydia installs the cameras uh, to try and catch Aunt Elizabeth uh, planting the eggs. It's not her. I also, this was where it really hit me that it looked like the statue at the Martha Graham Academy mm-hmm. because she's got moss everywhere all over her statue. And it just reminded me of the way that they would glue steel wool mm. to the armpits of the statue. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So Maggie Atz is very into statuary and also the things that crop up on statuary mm-hmm. uh, like bird shit moss and oranges <laughs> i will say one of the funniest things about going to italy and seeing a bunch of like outdoor statues is how often like these big beautiful statues just had birds like hanging out mm-hmm. like a hat on oh, top yeah. of them very cute birds don't give a fuck especially italian birds birds do not give a fuck we were in like pompeii like ancient ass dead people and there were birds like what's up yeah why would a bird care i don't care I mean, this is also why I will never date anybody who owns a bird. Ugh, what's wrong with you? Gus, I agree. Oh, and then this is where on page 211, where she outs herself as the Gilead source. Yes. So. There you go. You know, I think, I think Ada and Elijah brought it up pretty early on, but it does take a little bit of time to actually come out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They're kind of talking about Becca is wanting to join the aunt's because she tried to kill herself at premarital school and they're like what's the matter with her and one of the aunts goes uh it's penises it's like a phobia penises aunt lydia said thoughtfully them again very relatable pen is envy (laughs) that was a funny thing so then i think she sees becca as like this tool she can use i think Aunt lydia sees everyone as a tool she can use yeah, yeah yeah That's a good point. Uh, and I like this line on page 215. Um, it, it's better in a way, and I'm a great port proponent of better, in the absence of best. So it reminds me of better never means better for mm-hmm. everyone from Handmaid's Tale. And I also like this. I am familiar with these exceptionally squeamish girls. It's no use forcing them. They can't accept bodily reality. <laughs> Even if the wedding night is accomplished, they will soon be found swinging from a light fixture or in a coma under a rose bush, having swallowed every pill in the house. Um, Rough. Which I, you know, I'm like, yeah. Uh, good on you for because you really can't even if they aren't gonna even attempt to produce a child i guess that's one thing that i didn't really think about that kind of bugs me is like Mm -hmm. okay if the the greatest commodity is having kids Mm -hmm. i'm just surprised they don't try harder to force these potentially fertile women into having kids well i think they that passage is saying like we tried they keep killing themselves Yeah, yeah yeah and so and and that to me is like how could you you all tell this system was no 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 no, no, no. It's, it's great idea <laughs> yeah but like people are killing themselves in an alarm no 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 no, no. look uh, we're just bringing the kinks out yeah have some rum in your coffee it'll be fine <laughs> um yeah so Becca gets accepted as a supplicant I had some dreams they were rum <laughs> in my coffee rum in my coffee <laughs> they get Becca in. And it's all going according to plan for Aunt Lydia. And that's the end of this section. This will pick up in our next episode. And again, we're recording these all at once. So if we can't get to your comments, sorry. 
Uh, we're going to go make some coffee. Coffee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Take care of your girlfriends. And no lite, te bastardes, carborundorum. Dum, 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 d